Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Was at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts 
every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Imagine what it took 40 years ago to stand up and say, I'm gay. What would have happened? No, I mean, people who had to fear for their lives just acknowledging it. Just acknowledging it. We all talk about courage. Well, I see more courage in this lawn than I've seen in any time in the recent past. But the thing about y'all is, you're not only about courage, you generate so much hope for people. Hope and light. You enrich every part of American life. So here we are. Welcome. I don't intend to burn up the microphone today and put on a great performance. We're all a little dispirited. If you're not, then you're really mentally ready for a baseball game. If you're not dispirited, you're ready for a baseball game or a pride parade. Because that's all that's left, apparently, in America today. I never saw anything like this. Mass hysteria. Mass hypnosis. Never. So I, I thought of all the things I could do for you today, and it's for you, not for me. I'm not making any money. I'm not asking you to send me, you know, nickels or dimes. It's not like put the quarter in the machine to keep the monkey talking. So what am I doing it for? What the hell difference does it make? You know, I ask myself that repeatedly. What difference does it make? I don't know. You'll have to ask yourself. Thoughts have power. Everything begins with a thought. Think about it. everything begins with a thought. So maybe it has meaning. Maybe the pebbles that I throw into the pond and send out ripples to the world have had effects. But, you know, I want to go back in time. So here's what I decided I want to talk about with you today, the death of the white male. And I'll tell you why. Copyright 1991 and 2003. That's not when I wrote this. I predicted this coming earlier than that. This was originally written in October of 1997. Interesting, isn't it? 1997? No, that's not when it was written. That's when I did the Prop 209 rally in front of the federal building, when I appeared in an armored car. Believe me, I've done some great things in the terms of performance art. And we've held a line for a while, but frankly, the uh, lines have been breached. The degenerate, radical, criminal left has breached our lines, and I don't know that we could ever recover the nation. I hate to be this depressing about it, but look, what do you want to do? BSU. I'm not going to begin today because I didn't do it yesterday. I think I'm going to start. I, I wrote this in the 70s. I know when I wrote it. I was up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I had a young family, two young kids. Uh, I had just gotten my PhD, and they wouldn't hire me, even though it was one of the highest degrees you can get at the time from one of the great American research universities with original work. And my master's thesis have been published as a book. Sterling, sterling uh, achievements. Instead, they hired morons, idiots, anyone but white males. As long as your, the color of your skin was right. So here it is, November 1977, Sierra Nevada Mountains. I remember being with the kids. And I wrote this long poem. And it, it's not really more than I wouldn't read it to you. It's pretty good. But I want to read something in this book. Now, you're going to say, how can I get the book? I don't know right now. I'll probably put it on Kindle 
so it's not lost in time. If I go, it goes on Kindle, I, I preserve the copyright and you can buy it for a buck or whatever. So I um, was talking about the hiring practices in 1980s, in the 80s, where firemen and police, Boston, New York, San Francisco at first, had gone beyond federal court-ordered quota systems in hiring only minorities and women, even women who couldn't pick up a hose, even women who couldn't fire a pistol became a police chief in San Francisco. She could not pass the pistol exam. Women who couldn't pick up a hose with water and it became fire chiefs because it was a very good civil service job for the brigades. So I was fighting against affirmative action because they were only giving jobs to minorities and I was not considered a minority. So I sent a notice of hiring from the California State University system. At the time, this was in the in the early 80s, I think, to a gentleman in England who had supported my research. He's passed away since. This is a man in a nation known for, known for its tolerance, a man who had fought Hitler, a man known for his left-wing social activism, a good, solid British liberal, English liberal of the old school, I sent him the hiring form from Cal State University. Here's what he said, one paragraph about an affirmative action form. Michael, I thought it might perhaps be an entry form to Dachau. Certainly the questions would have been no more precise than these. I can understand the turmoil and disgust that you must feel at this kind of institutional behavior. It really strikes me as being adjunct activities of a totalitarian rather than a democratic society, unquote. That was from a gentleman, a lifetime left-wing activist in England who fought Hitler. And you said it can't happen here. You said it couldn't happen again. You said it won't happen again. Beria, the sadistic chief of police, secret police for Joseph Stalin said, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. You got any goosebumps yet? Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. This is now Biden's legacy. This is Biden's legacy. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. And it's only just begun. They've got 18 months left to do anything they want to anyone in this country. So affirmative action deterred me from getting what I wanted and what I deserved. I just wanted to be a college professor and teach. I don't know what I was gonna teach, ethnobotany, ethnomedicine. I figured I'd have a pleasant life, and um, luckily for me, it didn't work out that way. I want you to think about that. You know, there's a Chinese proverb, what is good luck, what is bad luck? Well, for, for my sake and yours, it was quite good luck that the, the academies rejected me. Look, look at the filth they have in the universities today, except in the very hard sciences. Look at the garbage and the fake departments they've created. Fake departments, whole fake departments. Racism departments, uh, I never saw anything like it. And prof full professor, they give seminars. It's unbelievable. I go to conferences. We have 18 months left for the Biden gang to destroy every remnant of America. So I could read from the book. I don't know if I want to. You know, I'm, I'm already bored of it before I <laughs> begin. I, I don't know if I want to read it. It's so good. I just wanted you to see the title of it, The Death of the White Male. I think I'm just going to modify it slightly, black out some things, and put it up on um, Kindle so that you can have it. Michael Savage, a host like no other.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What do we do when affirmative action under attack? Affirmative action has helped boost the number of black, Latinx, and other minorities who are underrepresented at prestigious schools. But now those racial preferences may be prohibited. So let me read this. I'm up in the, in the I almost said the Catskill Mountains of the Sierra Nevada with the kids, young children, two young kids. They're all grown now, both grown. 1977, my God. So here's a young guy, immigrant son, does everything right. Works all his jobs, two jobs, three jobs. Gets his PhD after two master's degrees. His master's is published in a major Harvard University science journal. And he doesn't get hired because he's not black, Hispanic, at the time, a gay, or a woman. Or, and they didn't even know what a transsexual was then. Those are the designated uh, people of choice. So basically, I wrote this poem. And the, and the most important part in here is without quality, there is no equality. Was I wrong? Mark those words down. Without quality, there is no equality. Who wrote that? Me. You know, some of these things should live for a long time. So let me begin. I, I wrote this on a snowy night in uh, the Sierra, no, up in the Sierra Nevadas. I used to go there a lot. I loved it. The death of the white male. White male professors and legalistic hypocrites declaring an end to injustices call for the death of their kind, excluding themselves to, quote, make up for generations of sad injustices. We declare the hiring by racial quota a just service. After all, their jobs are made for life. So why not give it the expense of those who prove by excellence the noose of unemployment at the end of the long, dark tunnel of trial, the noose of unemployment at the end of the long, dark tunnel of trial. But why not give our fashionable minorities the jobs of those at top, they who cry for justice. Of course, they now have done that. That's why the universities have melted down into cesspools of hate. Let the braying sheep throw their own skins to the stalking hungry, giving all an equal opportunity. I am an equal opportunity employee, the son of Benjamin, a small shopkeeper, the grandson of Samuel, a serf. Do I enslave the Hispanics or did they do the enslaving here in the Americas? Have you forgotten history, my dear white male friends? Are Cortez and De Soto <clears throat> mere automobile insignias? Native American Indians of the Southern Hemisphere shot from cannons, not by my ancestors, perhaps yours in Brazil. The ears of forest-dwelling children of God cut off in Russia by axe-wielding peasants with potato faces. Natives of the Amazon, similarly maimed by Portuguese adventurers. I am the smallest minority in America. An individual man who aligns himself with no group, calls himself by no race, but strives always for excellence. I am an equal opportunity employee, and I stand behind no false systems, braying for a chance in mass production. America, we make machines which break too readily. 
all subject to recall, applying the same system to humans, to people who are instructed to desire mass-produced equality based on a certain number of colors, evenly arranged on totalitarian charts in Washington and every state capital, in every mayor's office, in every school, at every job site, a nice orderly arrangement of colors like so many poppy red refrigerators and so many white ones and so many black ones and so many brown ones. We demand the production of equality. Our sense of assembly line consciousness demands such even handedness at the expense of quality. Listen, my screaming friends, you of the race and you who no longer have the right to cop to your grandfather's serfdom because you've got the same access to tools that I have. Listen, friends, here's a secret. Without quality, there is no equality. In the world of man, when someone goes up, another goes down. By being shut out, and if there are only a certain number of slots created by the girls who run the ship, then take your chances alongside me without declaring yourself the oppressed. Yes, I appeal to your manliness, to your sense of pride, because what you get to easily, you won't enjoy. You'll distrust yourself forever, always knowing that far more worthy souls were forever locked out in exile by their oppressors, those ruling professional mouths who lose nothing by employing you. I am an equal opportunity employee. The smallest minority in America and your little game of color shuffle looks awfully white to me. Michael Savage, November 1977, Sierra Nevada Mountain, Mountains. In his small little booklet, The Death of the White Male. Now you may say, what are you talking about? Joe Biden's a white male. Well, genetically, he's a white male. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Then why does he attack white males repeatedly? Well, it's not really the death of the white male. The title should be the death of the heterosexual Christian white male. That would have been a more, more appropriate title. So my friends, that was my case against affirmative action. The booklet itself goes on. You'll never believe some of these things. Having begun my adult years, as a social worker who fought for equal rights, I now see the wisdom inherent in the racism enacted by every ethnic and minority group vying for a piece of the American pie. The attitude is, you've got to beat the system any way you can, and they do. Ask any white male cop, fireman, teacher, social worker, or mid-level civil servant, for every story of a black, Hispanic, or Asian who has risen, you will hear of 10 horror stories about white males who were passed over for promotion despite years of seniority, about young white males who were not hired, even though they may have scored higher on competitive exams than female or minority competitors. Yes, I fully agree with my minority cousins. Racism is a great tool to use to get ahead in America these days. You've just got to learn how to use the concept and your career will carry you to the top. Forget about those more qualified than yourself or those who have been waiting in line for several generations. Just step on their toes, move to the front of the line. All you got to do is yell racism as people used to scream fire to empty a crowded theater. 
And then I show a um, Cal State University, Los Angeles hiring form. And we're talking about then back in the 70s, minorities sought as faculty role models. You hear this? How, how's that? How's that worked out for the universities? Any Einstein's uh, out there? See any recent discovering discoveries uh, that are noteworthy from those pushed in through affirmative action? I haven't. Let me know about uh, anything on the level of Beethoven or Einstein. I haven't seen it yet. Your grandparents waited in a line in the rain. The crowded buses passed them by, but they kept their places, patiently waiting their turn. It was cold. They had no friends who could get them on the passing buses, and they waited in the rain. Your father got on the bus, but he had to stand. All the seats were taken. He figured, what the hell? At least I'm riding. Maybe my kid will get a seat. Now it's your turn to take your seat on the bus. Your family has waited for generations. But wait, you're being asked to get off the bus, to let some other people on to take your seat. Who is asking you to get off that bus? How can this be happening to you? Would your grandfather or father have stood idly by or docilely gotten off the bus just because some polite official asked them to do so? The bus is the American pie. The job you worked so hard to get through years of schooling or years of training, tests taken, hopes up, then down, then up again. You made the list, or did you? Congratulations! Finally, your parents, your grandparents were going to have their waiting time paid off. But why are you being thrown off the bus? Who is telling you that you do not have equal rights? That these newcomers or people of a more desirable social category have more equal rights than you? Isn't this exactly the opposite of equal rights? That people with lower scores and exams or fewer years of any on the job have a right to the job or position that you are so qualified for? Affirmative action is affirmative racism. The social engineers who are designing you and your children out of your future are all in secure places. Good jobs, good positions in government and colleges, and they are anxious to keep their little safe nests by sacrificing you, the working white male. Let me begin with a few real life cases. Well, I don't have to read the whole book to you. You get the picture. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Frank H., age 61, white male, World War II veteran, U.S. Navy, recovering cancer patient. Doug R., age 25, white male, engineer, married, one baby. Go, I can go into it. Mike L., age 45, white male, salesman, married, two children. These are true cases about the hundreds of thousands, now millions of cases like them. Affirmative action equals affirmative racism. So I wrote letters and I talked about it. It had no effect whatsoever. Look at this, a letter to the New York editor. <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> a letter to the editor of the New York Times. It was under the title, Recruiting Minority Faculty and Scholars by Lorna Shurkin. So I wrote, let me read it. it. Demonstrates that selective liberal arts colleges have lost their ability to discern between diversity and discrimination. It's pretty good. Ms. Shurkin's self-congratulatory tone blindly ignores the fact that in a limited academic job market, very person selected, several are rejected. To boast about institutionalizing faculty recruitment based on race is an embarrassment to those of us who fought for the very civil rights acts, which are now being misrepresented by those with hidden agendas. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, Section 96010, states that no person in the United States shall, on the ground of race, color, or national origin, 
be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal assistance, unquote. In no case is an institution required to hire women or minorities on the basis of sexual or racial preferences. To do so, as Swarthmore boasts they do, is clearly illegal. Affirmative action equals affirmative racism. What Title VI does is require the practice of fair recruiting and hiring. This does not mean the obligation to recruit and hire less qualified people of desired racial or gender groupings in the hands of some advocates of an overly aggressive affirmative action program. The concept of ethnicity and race has been elevated beyond simply taking an applicant's background into account as a supplementary factor in selection. Merit criteria are being ignored in favor of racial or sex criteria, and our nation's colleges are the sorry result, unquote. I wrote that in the 1970s. Where are we today in the universities? Any new Einsteins out there? I haven't seen any. Title VI, Civil Rights Act. So my friends, what can you do? You think I'm making this up. At the bottom of all the forms for hiring now, you have to file in with the Office of Affirmative Action, which is the new Gestapo, things about your ethnic background. This is in the 70s. It was already happening, and I try to stop it. Black American person of African, Jamaican, Trinidadian, or West Indian descent. Numbers are around, and they rank the number. Two, Asian-American person of Japanese, Chinese, Korean, East Indian, or Pacific Island, other than a Filipino descent. Other non-white persons not covered elsewhere. Spanish surnamed American, other than Mexican-American. White American person of European, Middle Eastern, or North African descent. American Indian or Alaskan Native person who maintains cultural identification through tribal association or community recognition. That would be Elizabeth Warren. Filipino-American person whose ancestry is rooted in the Philippines. Mexican-American. Unheard of. Now listen what the bottom of the hiring list said. This offensive form states the bias of the college. This was in the 70s. It is not enough to be non-discriminatory, they wrote. We must all exert a concentrated effort to overcome any inequities in our system. This, I said, is affirmative racism. Affirmative discrimination. This is not equality. And yet if you look at the races in terms of numbers on the planet, it's interesting analysis of who a minority is. Whites are actually a minority. Chinese number over one billion. The East Indians and Pakistanis number over three quarters of a billion. This was then. Japanese and Koreans account for over 150 million. Brazilians over 130 million. Colombians another 30 million. Argentinians 30 million. See, down the list. Syrians 20 million, blah, blah, blah. And so the, the white male is actually a minority today, especially the white heterosexual Christian male. And I wrote, what do all of these people have in common? If they get over here and get a green card, bingo. They've got the greatest card of all, minority status, and a few hands above a white person when they go for a job or when their children apply for college. So out of a total world population of about 5 billion, remember that was then, just about anybody except a man of European roots is considered a minority here in America, a nation of only 250 million people. Have you looked at how these, quote, minority groups treat their own minority populations back home? away from the video cameras. We've seen what they do to each other in their home countries. I have. And I can tell you that many of these nationalities oppress as national policy, some major subgroup within the boundaries of their own borders. The Japanese, for example, consider those among themselves who most resemble Caucasians, the Ainu people of Hokkaido, as racial inferiors and relegate these ancient people to low rank, low paying <laughs> jobs. 
terrible. Yet in the USA, all Japanese, regardless of their financial well-being or family connections, are considered minorities and given preference over more qualified applicants. Let me pause right there. Right now, the Japanese, Chinese, and all Asians are considered non-persona. They're not hired. The universities are rejecting any high-performing Asian person because they're too smart. They can't have them in the uh, hiring there. Now, I'm not saying white males ought to be given preference. Don't get me wrong. Let all citizens compete, but equally, not with some of us shackled with racial and gender chains imposed by the government. Chains just as sure as those forged around the cuffs of slaves. See, they were putting the cuffs on us already. Then I give examples of firemen and police in San Francisco, which I knew very well. And uh, I said we had a police chief, a woman who couldn't fire a pistol. She couldn't pass the pistol exam. We have fire chiefs now who just came back from the LGBTQ parades in Washington who can't pick up a hose, but they're the fire chiefs. So what did my friend in England, who had fought Nazism in England, in Europe, a good liberal his entire life, what did he say to me when he saw these hiring forms? Michael, I thought it might perhaps be an entry form to Dachau. Certainly the questions would have been no more precise than these. I can understand the turmoil and disgust that you must feel at this kind of institutional behavior. It really strikes me as being adjunct activities of a totalitarian rather than a democratic society, he wrote. And this was back in the late 70s, early 80s. So we saw that our, quote, civil rights legislation brought about racism and fascism to the United States of America in the most virulent form. We have judges now who can't even cite the law. Biden's trying to stock federal judges with morons who can barely get through a, a bar exam. They can't answer a single a question about the law, the intricacies of the law. Low cynicism, pseudo merit, manipulative rewards. The words uh, sound true to you? It's basically a form of high-minded cheating. Lower national achievement. Look at the exam. Look at the level of stupidity in our schools. Look how stupid the students have become. All they teach them is whites are no good, America's evil, gays are superior to everybody else. And look at the scores on the exams on math and reading. You say, well, why, why do you need math and reading? Well, in America, you don't need it anymore. What do you need math and reading for? So the consequences of affirmative action are coming home to roost. This viciousness of affirmative action created a narrow exclusivism, this quota system installed in U.S. life like an inquisition. Once the invidious and humiliating nosiness of petty inquisitors, the racial profile such as how dark is your skin, how long is your nose, how swarthy your complexion, how mixed are your grandfather's genes, is coming to be standard bureaucratic procedure. It is more than ironic. It is well-nigh suicidal. And excellence has been thrown out the window. We have become a race and sex-ridden society. America has opted for mediocrity, downward leveling, and enforced appreciation of standards of talent and merit. Who is at fault? Uh, you're at fault. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw.
take me out to the ball game. I think I'll pause right now because uh, I found a ball in my drawer going through my stuff. Those of you who are baseball fans will appreciate this one. It says on it, Yankee Stadium, June 1956. I can remember the day I, I was in the stands during batting practice. Left field, left field. And when I ran for this ball with all the other guys running for it, I was, I was thrilled. Actually, I remember to this day, it just came back to me. I didn't run and grab it off the floor. Remember when they hit a you know, foul ball, it hits the floor usually first, unless it hits someone in the head. So it hit the, uh, the, the what, foul ball, it hit the ground, you know, cement, and it bounced up and then came down and hit a chair and started that kind of thing. Or I caught it after it hit the floor. I don't remember, but I remember I had my mitt on. I was the happiest guy in the world. Today, you'd be shot. Today, one of the uh, teens would have been there with a gun and shot you for the ball. And they would have said he was the, he was the one entitled to the ball. See, same, same story, really. I caught the ball a little bit by chance and a little bit by fortitude. But today, a teen would have either knifed knife me in the throat and stolen it from me and say it was his. He deserved it. He owned it. Or they would have shot me in the stands. Take me out to the ball game. What else did I find in there? Here is my little Cub Scout hat. Isn't that cute? It meant something to me. Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Boy Scout camp, learning how to live out in the woods. Take me out to the ball game. Look at the emblem on the Cub Scout hat. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. A wolf. Oh, my God. That's very aggressive. Teaching a boy how to fend for himself. That's fascistic, isn't it? They should have shown me how to put on lipstick, how to put on a dress, how to put on a, hi a thing to hide my growing body part. You know, that, that's what they should have done. In Biden's America, that's what you teach a boy, a, a young boy. Uh, hide the body part and dress like a girl. Take me out to the ball game. No, it's not worth that much. If it was signed by Mickey Mantle, you're talking about something. It wasn't. If I told you it may have been hit by Mickey Mantle, I would say I don't know. I don't remember. He was my hero then. Who knows? I don't remember who hit the ball, but it was one of the top guys. Girl Scouts are giving out pride patches. I would take my girl out of the Girl Scouts. It's that simple. Take me out to the ball. So how does this end? Never before in history has a nation run so fast and so far to destroy its most productive workers in the name of social justice by placing less qualified, quote, minorities, women, and handicapped people into key positions, our national productivity, creativity, and competitive advantage has rapidly declined. By wasting billions of dollars on spreading affirmative racism propaganda, making sure these policies of anti-white male racism are being practiced everywhere through the attendant lawsuits, the lost man hours our country slips further each day. And then I quote the ACLU, which, by the way, is the most dangerous group that has ever emerged in the United States of America. ACLU, I'll quote a November 29, 1972 memorandum of their Equality Commission. You ready for this? This is what the ACLU, they're filled with degenerate lawyers. Listen to what they wrote. The white applicant is not being barred from employment because of his race. Rather, his claim to a particular job is being deferred while a remedy is applied. Deferred? How many white males, I wrote, have had their entire life deferred as a result of unequal treatment and discrimination. How many families have been broken by the inequality fostered by this ACLU totalitarian edict? <laughs> Gee, I wrote that back in the late 70s. How do you like that? What do I want, a badge of honor? 
I don't need any rewards. I'm never going to get one. I'm never going to be invited to a conference and be given some kind of accolades. I'm never going to be given a shout out. I'm not even invited to conservative conventions. I never have been. All these <laughs> conservative conventions, they, they really impress me. No, I'm not going to talk about Trump right now, if you don't mind. I, I like to get through one broadcast without mentioning his name, if you don't mind. Do you mind if I not mention his name for once? Michael, where'd you get the amazing bolo? It's, it's uh, Navajo. And I found out that it's, you can't get them. I've tried to buy antique bolos. I think it's Navajo. I think it's pretty sure it's Navajo. I found out years later that it's a fertility symbol. I think that's what they said it was. Any Navajos out there? Little turquoise, but the symbolism is that of fertility. Yes, I'm an independent thinker, and these conservative groups never invited me and never will because I don't fit in their little pigeonhole box. So that's, that's I'm used to that. I don't care. You know, i got to talk about something else for a minute. Um, I'm, I don't want to do politics now, what I think of this and what I think of that. That's pos politics enough for right now, right? The weather has shifted here. The weather has shifted here in the San Francisco area, and, and the whole area is shocking. It's been gloomy and cloudy and a little drizzly for weeks and weeks and weeks. We have Seattle weather, and Seattle's sunny-ish. There's like a, been a shift of latitude in weather right now. No sun in the Bay Area. No sun. No sun. It's very apt, isn't it? The weather has shifted. There's been a shift in the weather. I think that's it for today. I could go on for 30 more minutes or another hour. I know you want me to. But at a certain point, it's not as pointedly poignant as this poignancy that I just pointed at you. There's so much coming that I can't tell you about. Things have happened in my life in the last 10 days that you will learn about soon. Uh, one last thing that you should hear about right now, you'll be the first to hear about it, and I will not mention names, but one of the biggest names in the media, probably the biggest name in the media, it will be doing a one-hour long-form interview with me, God willing, before the end of the summer. And that's it, my whole history of being canceled. I was the canary in the coal mine, canceled canceled in Britain. Still can't go there. I wouldn't travel there anyway right now. I mean, I'm nothing against the English people, but I, I wouldn't go to England right now. I have no, no reason to go anywhere like that. So I, I was the first one canceled, and, and some people came to my defense. Bill O'Reilly did. Laura Ingram did. Mark Levin said, I got what I deserved. It shows you what that thing is. You know, I don't know how you people don't understand there's a difference between people who say they're one thing or what they actually are, but I don't want to go into my personal beliefs about other people. It, it has no, no bearing. What matters is that you heard today's broadcast, Death of the White Male, and it was originally written when I was up in this series. It was in the 70s when I wrote that long poem, nine, November 1977. And then I wrote the booklet after. Then we published it as a little booklet. I, you can't buy it. It's not available. People who I know who are very famous said, please reprint it. The last that was reprinted was 2003, when I owned a publishing company called Quantum Books, which no longer exists. But it has a Library of Congress 
ISBN number, so don't don't try to rob it and make believe it's yours. But I, I think I should republish it, even if it's a dollar or two. It doesn't matter. It's a great book to have if you need to say something quickly to someone in your house or put it on your desk at work if you want to get fired by one of the minorities uh, that they just hired. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.